You ever been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, we're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride, but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash podcast, pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Trash Panda Talks on the Don't Give Up the Ship podcast. Uh, so D Guts does spin the yarn and I really want to do something similar. But for funsies, I think we're going to call it uh, Rabid Rants. So little little rabid trash panda over here because I'm not going to lie, like I'm frustrated today and I have been for a while and I've been trying to figure out how to talk about some of these things and and in a way that feels productive, but sometimes I think maybe it's okay to, to not always have a productive conversation about it. And sometimes, sometimes we just need to talk about it and, and let other people know that, that you're not alone. Cause I, I know that I'm not the only person dealing with this. So my, my issue is the Navy and I'm going to say the Navy and I know other services are dealing with the exact same thing, but obviously my perspective being Navy, they, they PCS us, which is not a surprise. Um, we all know that it happens and me personally, right. I'm a CTI. I don't have a ton of options on where I can go. There's never a lot of options for sea duty. Um, I think in every time I've ever applied for orders, I think I've only ever seen two billets that I could have applied for in all of the billets I, I've ever could apply to. Right. Um, so I, I know that, that my situation is easier than a lot of people. So I know that it can only be worse for others. Um, but so I PCS in February, I got my orders in October. I was in kind of a weird spot because I, I was on my second tour at my last duty station, and they were adjusting our billets to be coded differently. And so we knew it was happening that my my billet was changing, which was going to I was then going to be in excess. And so I was going to have to rotate different earlier than expected, which was totally fine because I'd been there for five years at that point um, by the time I left a little over five years. So when the when the billet finally changed and went through, um, soon after that and like the detailer had been involved in everything so soon after that I was on leave and I was actually at a Walmart and the detailer called me and she said hey it's uh, we got to put you in for orders because now so this was in August maybe September and I want to say it was the end of September and she said we have to put you in for orders because now your PRD is January or February 2023 three, this was in, in September, 2022. Um, so in the computer, right in the system, I look like I've skipped everything and I should absolutely have orders. And so I needed to be put into a billet outside of the regular cycle where everyone else would apply. Um, so in September she called me and she was like, Hey, we got to put you in a billet. Where do you want to go? Um, your choices are this place or this place. I had already been, and I'll go ahead and say the places, right? Um, so 
because I'm, it's not a secret. I put my name out here. If you have fleet temps access, you can look me up. Um, but so the choices were San Antonio or Maryland. And I had my first seven years outside of school were in San Antonio and I had never been PCS to Maryland. I'd done like three, four month TADs here before, but I hadn't actually been stationed in Maryland. And most people, sorry, my cat just hopped in. Um, most people who in my in my language, my rating, we end up in San Antonio. So I thought if I don't have, if I don't have to go there and I have a choice to not go there, I'm going to go somewhere different because I know I'm going to end up back in San Antonio eventually. So sure. I'll take the Maryland orders, please. So she puts me in and I get orders. I remember this distinctly. I got orders on October 11th and I, I'm sorry, my cat is like super interested in all of this. Um, So I got orders October 11th and that same day I went in and I applied for base housing and I applied for childcare because I'm a single mom to two kids. I have two boys. Um, They are six and seven years old. Um, When I moved here, we were in the middle of the school year and my youngest was in kindergarten and my older son was in first grade. Um, But so the case, I, I know that everything has a wait list. So the day that I get my orders, I apply for base housing and I apply for daycare because I wasn't sure where I wanted to live yet. Um, but I wanted the option to at least live in base housing. And then, uh, same goes for daycare. It would, I knew that because they're older, they don't need full-time care. We just needed before and after school care that if I lived on base, they would have to go to the base before and after school care. Right. Um, so I get on the wait list right away. And the first issue happened with housing. So in December, I follow on and I'm like, hey, just check in. Like I put in my my request, like I got on the wait list. Um, I'm PCSing in February. What, um, like, where am I at? And they were like, who are you? Uh, okay, whoops, what happened? So they apparently the computer lost my cancel or lost my application and or canceled it or something. So I had to reapply and start over on the wait list for housing, which was a very long list at the time. Um, and I had been following up with childcare and everything and, you know, there's nothing they can tell you. I wasn't there yet. So like no big deal. And then, so I show up in February. Um, but in January I was calling again, following up. And at the, in January I got told that the, the, uh, school age center on base and the CDC, the child development center had been on, uh, put on an enrollment freeze. So they were not accepting any new children at all because they were understaffed. Like, okay, that's fine. This was in January. I wasn't showing up until the very end of February, so that's okay. And then I get here in February, still nothing. Um, there was an issue with base housing. I did end up moving into base housing. That's where I'm at now. Um, and mostly I chose that because of cost, because if I was going to live off base, I was going to have to spend an insane amount of money in before and after school care for the kids. So, Uh, it seemed like a better option to just live on base, whether I stayed here long-term or not. I didn't know the area well enough to really choose a school district and, and the base schools were not terrible. And so I thought I'll, I'll go with this. It's okay. So I'm already in the hotel here by the time I get an address to have a house. Um, and we were in the hotel for about two weeks, maybe a little more, um, waiting on housing, waiting for the address and then for the house to become available. They got us in. I couldn't register the kids for school until I had an address uh, and then same for daycare. So I didn't realize how much I was shooting myself in the foot 
by living on base and that although it was more cost effective, because I live on base and there are schools on base, there is one elementary school on the base and one uh, kindergarten center on the base. There's another elementary school that's technically off base but serves the base depending on where you live. It's a giant base. There's like, I want to say 3,000 houses on this base. So there's there's a lot of people and kids and stuff. Um, well, that really, really limits your choices for childcare when the kids have to get bussed on and off base. And I didn't have any option. They were still on the freeze, um, couldn't get them into the school age center on base. And off base, there was only one place that could, that was authorized to get on and off base. And so I got them on the list for that and I was waiting. And then I get them on the list for the um, military child care in your neighborhood. That's the subsidy process, which the Navy is different than every other service for whatever reason. And so I, I apply for that because the cost of daycare if just before and after school care is insane. So I apply for the subsidy. Eventually it goes through. While I'm waiting, I have a teenage girl in the neighborhood watching them because it was the only thing I could find that had availability. And I mean, I was on all the Facebook groups, the spouses groups, everything, because especially at the time, my youngest being in kindergarten, my oldest kid being in first grade, they were in two different schools because there's that kindergarten center and that first grade center. And those two different schools have two different sets of hours. So they go to school an hour and 15 minutes in time difference and then they get out an hour and 15 minutes in time difference. So if I were to take them to school and pick them up, I would only be at work for like four hours. So I ended up taking them in the mornings and then in the afternoons I had a neighbor pick them up, which was difficult to find. Um, there was not a lot of people who were willing to, even if I tried to split the kids and have one family take one kid in the afternoon and one take the other. And luckily I ended up finding these neighbors and they were fantastic. Unfortunately they PCS. Um, but when I got approved for the subsidy and I got approved for them to go to this off base daycare that could bus on and off, I moved them in there, which was in April. And it happened to be the week of spring break. So it's full-time care for that week. It's not just before and after school care. And I needed them in care because that was also the week that I had in doc for the command. So I had to be at work four days that week. I couldn't be, you know, come in late, leave early, anything like that. Those four days or five days, I'm sorry, it was five days for two kids was $732. On top of that, to get them started at this daycare was $250 enrollment fee for the first kid and $100 enrollment fee for the second kid, I believe. And that money I don't get back. Now, the other services, I believe that their subsidy programs do reimburse you for registration fees, but the Navy's does not. So, and because of the timeline that that had been submitted, I wasn't approved for that time. So, like, I paid all that out of pocket. Five days, I paid $732 on top of the registration fee I paid at the beginning of that week. So, $1,000, basically. And then, very soon after that, they um, start getting their numbers ready for summer, which, understandable. The school year is coming to a close, so they need to start making sure that all of their families, who they're, who's going to be there during summertime. So... I was really hoping to get into the school age center on base because one, I 
am not a huge fan of where my kids go to daycare right now. It's really not organized well. There's a lot of older kids mixed with younger kids. And my kids say bruh all the time, which I find very, very frustrating and a little inappropriate for a six and seven year old. Um, But they're around older kids and they're hearing things. And granted, they hear me cuss all the time um, because I'm in the Navy and it's I'm not going to not do that. (laughs) But there's a difference between swearing correctly and just being a disrespectful little snot. Um, And I find that since they've been there, that they have been a lot more disrespectful, a lot more irritable, a lot more just like not the best behaved kids. Um, And so I've been really wanting to get them back into a more structured, better childcare situation, but still freeze in, in the enrollment. And now we're in July, almost the end of July. Um, School starts in a month. um, And I still don't have any hope that they are going to get into the base childcare. So although I have the subsidy, it doesn't cover everything. So in April, they're verifying who's going to be there for summer. And if you go for summer, you have to pay summer fees. Now, summer fees are not tuition, and the subsidy only covers parts of tuition, which is also not explained very well because I was under the understanding that I would pay whatever I would pay for the cost of the base childcare, and then they pay the rest. That is not the case. Um, There's a like spreadsheet thing that tells you if you make this much money, then you pay this much, and they pay however much of that up to a a cap. There is a cap on how much that that the Navy. MCCYN will pay. Sorry again for the noise. It's my cat. Um, so I had to pay $400 per kid to enroll them for summer. And I had to do it in April so that they didn't give their spots away to other kids. So that's $800 that I paid. And, and we got less than one paychecks notice, which was not, I mean, I can pay it. But the point is, is that I can't plan for these things well and I shouldn't be paying out the yin yang in childcare. Um, But so even now, now that now that it's summer and they're there full time, I have reached the cap in what the MCCYN will pay for in subsidies. And I still have to pay, obviously, the full amount of whatever's left. So I pay just under five hundred dollars a week. For childcare, which is almost half of my income because I don't pay for, uh, I don't get BAH because they just take it out, right? Because of housing. So E6 over 12 years, I make decent money, especially in this area with BAH. I'm just under six figures. Like I make a lot of money. But what I am paying in childcare is like unreasonable. And I have no other option. Uh, No other option. I applied for, for summer, I applied for other bases up to an hour away just because, and I would have driven because it would save me two thirds or 75% of that cost almost. And, and I was willing to, but they didn't have any spaces either. And it's so frustrating to me because, which is the point of all of this, right? Here's my, now I'm what, 12 minutes into my backstory, But the military moves people and expects us to 
take care of everything that we need to take care of in order to successfully do our jobs, which I can understand. But I was perfectly fine where I was. I had every resource that I needed. My kids were in a great daycare. They had great schools. I had housing set up. I, you know, like my life was perfectly smooth at my last command. And then I moved and I don't, they don't have the resources. They, the military don't have the resources to for me to use for me to be able to do my job to the best of my ability because I'm either not working as much as I should be or I'm now stressed and struggling financially because I'm being forced to pay for childcare at an extremely high rate that I didn't ask for. Granted, I did ask for this. I did ask to come to Maryland, which is an extremely high cost area, which again, I didn't know that because I hadn't lived here. And I didn't know that childcare was going to be such an issue here. And now it's, like I said, it's July. I have been on this waiting list for nine months with zero movement at all as a single parent. And I don't have an end in sight. And I've seen people get threatened with administrative separation for not being able to utilize their family care plan because you knew better. You knew that you needed to have childcare. You knew that you needed XYZ resources, right? I didn't know how hard it would be to get those resources. I do know that I have to have childcare in order to go to work. I understand that. But I didn't know how limited my options would be and how costly they would be. And there hasn't been a lot of, of open dialogue about that. And we're putting so much pressure on service members, single parents, dual military families, even even quote unquote regular uh, families where one spouse is a civilian. You just they assume that civilian spouses can just not be there. Even when I was married, if my kids were sick, it was the assumption that my spouse could take care of them. Well, if you miss work even a few times as a civilian, you can get fired. Or maybe you're really counting on those hours to get some other kind of benefits or whatever the case is. We can't just assume that civilian spouses or civilian parents of whether they're married or not, right? Civilian parents of military children, that they can just care for children all the time, no matter what. Because as much as we would like that to be the case... You really, depending on where you live, you really cannot get by in a single income household. So if you're saying that, oh, well, your spouse should just stay home with your kids. Well, you're cutting out probably a decent chunk of income. And we can't assume that that's one, that it's feasible, but also that it's fair. How can we expect that, you know, Petty Officer Smith's wife is going to give up her career to take care of the kids. I One of the sailors that I was in Indoc with was an E3 who was married to a doctor. That person is not calling out of work. It's just not happening. But we get a hard time for either trying to take a day, right, or put in leave last minute. Like even it happened to me one day where I my kid was sick, had a fever, couldn't go to daycare. And so 
I asked them, like, do I need to take leave? Can I pay to just take this day? I'm sorry that my cat just came in and stole a paintbrush. Um, but, you know, like it's. I know that we can't take advantage of the system and we shouldn't be letting people stay home every time that there is an issue if it happens a lot. But. We also know that we need to retain service members. There's the reason that we improved and increased our parental leave policy, to be honest, wasn't because we wanted to, we being the Navy, right? It's it's because it makes sense. It's because we have people who are starting families or who are becoming parents or especially when you look at like zone B, zone C, zone D, right? Like those people are generally older than our zone a sailors they are generally the ones who are trying to start families or who are settling down or whatever the case is and we need to retain those people and supporting family life is a really really big part of that there's a reason that we have given not just um birth parent leave but also secondary caregiver or secondary parent leave and i'm a huge fan of it i think it's fantastic i'm i'm glad that it exists but at this point, a lot of people are using that simply because of childcare, because that's they don't even take it at the same time. Right. If the mother gives birth, we'll just use a dual military couple here in the example. If the mother gives birth, ideally, both parents should be able to take off at the same time so they can both have that bonding time with the infant or baby or child that you're adopting, whatever the case is. Right. You should be able to have that same bonding time together in those like very formative earlier days and weeks. But a lot of times that's not happening because you can't, you're not going to have a childcare spot 12 weeks later or even 18 weeks later. There's um, plenty of people that I know who have kids who are on a wait list while they're pregnant and on a wait list for six months of pregnancy and then six to nine plus months after the child is born, still on a wait list. And it's, it's unreasonable. And I know it's not necessarily the military's fault, but there is something that could be done better. For example, right here, um, I'm in all the Facebook groups and everything. And someone had put in, in one of the groups about, um, hey, is anyone else waiting to hear back about their background check from the daycare? And other people were commenting. And from that, there was like 18 people total who had been like hired and approved for hire by the daycare on base, whether that was the CDC for the uh, five and under or whether it was a school age center, I'm not sure. But they had nearly 20 people who'd been approved for hire, but that were waiting on background checks for three to six months. I can buy a gun way faster than that. Nowadays, I, I my last one I got in like less than 30 seconds. There wasn't even a waiting period. So, which, uh, trust me, I'm all about, I love, I, I'm proud of my right to bear arms. So I'm not trying to hate on guns. Don't take that from this, this please. Um, but my point, is, and I understand, especially, right, I'm a parent. I want my kids to be in a safe environment. I want the adults that work there to have these background checks and all of that. But what is the holdup? And turns out that there is a 
some sort of snag with OPM, uh, the Office of Personnel Management or something, like wherever the government um, like HR hiring process happens, that's where the holdup is. That they've been hired, they've been approved, they've been like omni-domni good to go by the base daycare. And they're waiting, like the daycare is waiting for them to get cleared. And there's a hold up there. Well, who's engaging there? And whose responsibility is it? Is it the base commander? Is it the um, child and youth director? Is it uh, like a regional thing? Who, who, who engages and how do we get them to engage? Do they know that this is a problem? Um, and, and honestly, I don't know. Our base commander here has like Facebook town halls and stuff. And I've mentioned the childcare and or how like have we looked at this? Have we thought about this? I've done that at every single town hall that's happened since I've moved here, which is I think they do them once a month or so. Um, I've talked to the director of the child and youth programs here um, and and I don't blame them. It's not their fault. Like they're trying they're advertising. But when you we have the exact same problem with medical providers. When we hire someone or or clear them for hire and we're waiting for whatever process to go through for them to start, they don't get paid most of the time. And so a lot of them are looking for other jobs because they need to get paid too. And if you can get a job where you're getting a paycheck in two weeks versus six months, I don't blame you if you take it. I'm not upset. If we have psychiatrists who can go help people and get paid quickly, more power to you. If we have childcare providers that need to work to help support their family and they go take a job at whatever other daycare down the street because they can get that paycheck sooner, I understand. So how do we fix the process to make sure that one, we are advertising to the right people. We're hiring the right people. We're giving them the right incentives with when it comes to their, their like they're first on the list for childcare here. The the employees are above single parents dual mill, which I completely support and agree with. But like, what about pay? How does that work? How are we paying them? Because I know that you can get a job at the gas station right outside the base and make more in your starting pay than they would at the daycare. How do we fix that? And how long does it take to get that written into some budget or NDAA or whatever to get approved by Congress so that we can be paying our childcare providers a decent wage, a competitive wage? How long will that take? I, and I don't know the answer. But it just goes into all these other things that we are reacting and not being proactive. We're not thinking ahead. We're not planning ahead when it comes to the bigger, you know, quality of life, quality of service issues. Sorry, cat. Um, you know, and instead we're, we're just reacting we're tr- and we're trying to make excuses and we're coming up with other ideas. And, and this, this came up too with, um, I was talking to a CPPA recently who was having problems with their pay. They had been married and got divorced and submitted their divorce decree. And it took however long for them to realize that, um, like to fix the thing from going with, you know, dependent BAH to single BAH. And instead of doing the math and figuring out how to take a couple hundred dollars away for those like four or six months that it was processing, instead they wanted the sailor to pay back all the BAH that they had gotten completely from the day of divorce, which was like eight grand. 
because they definitely don't owe eight grand. They were overpaid like $1,500 when you look at just the difference between single and married or single independent BAH. But whoever, whether it was a human being or a, um, or a computer that said, oh no, you've been paid too much. Um, well then they started taking that money out of the sailor's paycheck without notifying them, which is not supposed to do. So this sailor got a paycheck on our last pay period for a hundred dollars with no notice. And people have bills. I mean, you got your, if you, right, if you don't live on base, you've got your electric bill, your car payment, your insurance, your cell phone, whatever, groceries, right? Like, or childcare, which costs $2,000 a month, right? If I got a paycheck for $100, it would hurt, especially if I had no notice at all. But if they had done what they were supposed to do and gave them the notice and said, hey, here's your notice of indebted indebtedness, indebtedness, whatever, you owe the Navy money. Do you want to pay it all at once? Do you want to pay it in chunks? When do you want to start? How much are you going to pay? Blah, 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 right? Do it the way that you're supposed to, to take care of those people. And this, again, this person is a CPPA who doesn't have the power to fix it, doesn't know when it'll be fixed, has tried to talk to the people that can do it. And this person is located in a place where there is a TSC. The TSC has replaced the PSDs. Went in there just as like a, a separate from this to talk to some other people about something. And started chit-chatting with some of the employees there who were civilians. Um, and at least half of them had zero administrative or pay experience in the military at all. They were like aviation rates, you know, oh, I retired as a first class or I got out of the Navy after six years as a, you know, ABH2. And this looked like a good job. So like, why not? And they apply and they get it and they do not get quality training. They don't know how to do certain things. We're getting people who's like page two and red DA, red DA is a nightmare, um, that the, their exact same process is not being processed the same way because two different human beings are going in and validating the system and NSIPs and one likes this form and one doesn't. And so that's slowing down people's BAH. And it's, I mean, we had, sailors not getting BAH over six plus months. I want to say there was one that was close to a year not getting BAH at all, right? Because they were a junior sailor that had made rank and was then eligible to move out of the barracks. Well, you have to move out and you have to pay your own way until it's time that eventually it catches up and you get paid. And yes, you're going to get back pay, but that back pay doesn't come with interest. And so if you took out a loan or you put stuff on your credit card so that you could pay your rent, now you're out that amount of money. The the um, Navy Marine Corps Relief Society, the amount, of, I want to say they paid out like a million dollars or something in a quarter in just that area. And almost all of it was due to pay problems that sailors had. It's like we expect sailors and all service members to do everything that we tell them to. We expect them to go to work and be on time and put in, you know, a ton of effort and get their jobs done and do their collateral duties and do whatever things that they're supposed to do and PT and, you know, hang out with their families and sleep a decent amount and have hobbies, right? We expect so much from them, but we're not giving them the tools and resources that they need to do these things. And I can't get upset with someone if they are not performing to the best of their ability when we're not enabling them to do that. And in some ways, a lot of ways, we're restricting them from doing those things. 
right? Let's just say, and granted, in a regular job, I wouldn't keep a job if they weren't paying me. If they weren't paying me on time or they weren't paying me the right amount of money and they couldn't fix it quickly, I would quit. Are you kidding me? I'm going to go somewhere that's going to pay me on time because I don't work for free. That's not how this works. That's not the agreement I went into. So if that happened to you in the civilian world, you could quit, walk away, get a different job. Maybe you get a better job. Doesn't matter, right? You have that freedom. We don't have that. And if let's just say you wanted to get a second job because your paycheck is messed up and you needed money, well, you can't just do that. You have to ask permission. You got to route a special request for somebody. And then they got to say, oh, well, why are you on another job? What's wrong with your money? Are you not a responsible adult? Um, no, I am. I am. Well, show me. Let's do a let's do a financial counseling. And now you have people in your business in a way that would never happen outside. Right. Like I and I'm not I'm not struggling like I'm making it work. It's OK, but it's it's not. That's not the point. Right. And if I had to do a financial counseling with someone and they saw that I pay a hundred dollars a month or whatever in like Hulu Live and Netflix and whatever else, well, you could cut this down. Well, I could, but I record Jeopardy on Hulu and uh, when football season starts, I'm going to need it. So take your judgment somewhere else. Right. I or, you know, the amount of money that I spend on like caffeine and nicotine in a month, like that's pretty aggressive. I'm not going to lie to you, especially up here. Cost of cost of nicotine here is is high. That's not the point. Don't don't smoke kids. Don't do it. Um, but it's like that's that's not the point. Don't tell sailors to adjust their spending habits when their spending habits are normal. Their paychecks are wrong. And then what are we going to do about it? Because everyone's response is go see Navy Marine Corps Relief Society or um, like you need to save up before you move out of the barracks. And like, yes, I don't disagree with that. People should be saving and they should understand what goes into like living in your own place and how much that costs and how much a reasonable electric bill is and stuff like that. But it shouldn't take so long to pay sailors what they are entitled to and then blame them for not planning well. Like the number of people of regular American citizens that have three to six months worth of expenses in an emergency fund is very, very low. I want to say it's less than 10%. But we're going to expect junior sailors especially to have three to six months of expenses saved of expenses they've not been paid yet, right? Like they don't ha- they've never gotten BAH. And so we're expecting them to save their like $1,400 a month paychecks to pay for an apartment that costs you $2,200. That's not reasonable. It, like, why do we think that they're capable of doing that? If we can't pay sailors what they deserve to be paid, what they're supposed to be paid, and do it in a timely manner, like that, number one, is a huge problem. And then with every other resource or every other thing that we need to do to give them the capabilities to do their jobs and we're just not meeting the mark. Like there's huge, huge gaps in what we need, like what we need as sailors and what what we big, like what the Navy can give us. And there's no clear guidance either on who can fix what. That's a huge problem that I'm trying to find answers for is who's responsible 
for some of these things? Where does the ownership lie with a lot of this? Like I actually, I, today, this is going to bite me in the butt. I probably shouldn't put this, I shouldn't record it, but whatever, I'm going to do it and I'll own it. And I don't, I don't care. I emailed the Mick Pond directly today. Um, ideally, hopefully we get to meet and talk. I don't know, but I've been trying to engage as many people as at the highest levels possible that I can to talk about bigger fixes in the Navy. And either they don't have the authority or they don't have the interest. Well, and they don't have the authority, but they don't have the interest to push it up past them. Or, you know, I I get that like a lot of these people have really big jobs with a lot of other things to focus on. I get it, but I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to take no for an answer when I know that there are hundreds and thousands of people that have the same needs that are not being met when it comes to mental health, leadership, um, like all of these other issues. So I sent him an email directly. Um, I don't know if it'll go anywhere or if he'll ever respond. We'll see. Um, but I, I brought it up in that email about his, uh, the McPons ask me anything on Reddit. It was very clear after seeing that, that most sailors do not understand what to do with their problems. Me being one of them. Um, and I think a lot of commands also either don't know what to do about certain things or they don't want to uh, push things up. They're scared for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, but things like pay, things like that specific, like that CPPA who is being charged $8,000 of debt that they don't owe, right? Like who is the person that oversees TSCs and the training of the people that work at the TSCs? And who is the person that can make the decision to give CPPAs authority, right? Because like on ships, supposedly, I wouldn't know, but supposedly CPPAs on ships can like hit a button and change you from like single to dependence or dependence to single if you get divorced or like you make rank and you get to earn your BAH or whatever the case is, right? Like those human beings have a power button on their whatever system. Why don't all CPPAs have that? And if it's because they're not trained well and we can't trust them, okay, fix that. Because I'm telling you right now that the people at TSCs are not trained well enough and we shouldn't be able to trust them either. So if you're going to invest in training and development of somebody, let it be people who have better, faster, more accessible power at every level. It was a huge mistake to get rid of PSDs and they weren't functioning great as it was. They were better than this. But like, who are the people that can make decisions about those things? Because I don't know. And even if I were to go to like my TICOM, like our admiral, right? They don't have the authority to do those things either. And yes, they could tell somebody something, but what is that going to do? And so when you saw these posts come up in that Mikpon asked me anything. They were a lot of things that have nothing to do with the Mikpon. They don't fall in the Mikpon's purview, which honestly, I don't know what the Mikpon's purview is because that's not clear either. I don't know what that person in that office is, even does other than advise the CNO. But like, what do they advise them on? What are they bringing? Where are they getting it from? What are, like, what do they do? I don't know. Uh, I don't know what any of these people do, to be totally honest with you. Some people sign some stuff, like different people sign nav admins and, and other things, but like, who owns what? Can we please be clear about that? Because we are losing sailors in huge numbers. We are not able to recruit human beings because it's obvious that we can't take care of the ones that we have. So that's a big issue contributing to our recruitment problem, which feeds into retention and like everything, everything is, is, is rough right now. 
Um, but it, it is not impossible. It is fixable. We just have to figure out who can fix it and how to convince them or even discuss with them what the issues are. Because I don't know if those people know what they are because no one's telling them because no one knows who this person is. <sighs> yeah, it's again, don't, like, don't get me wrong. I love the Navy because I love the people that serve. I love uh, so much of who we are, but this shit is whack. And I, I'm struggling to find my mojo and my motivation to keep pushing because every time I try to push for some kind of change, it just opens doors for other problems that exist. And till right now, I just feel like I'm in this giant dumpster fire that is the Navy and I want to change it. I want to, I mean, I don't want to change it. I want somebody to change it. I want to be able to get those, those things voiced to the right people because I want to take care of the human beings that are serving so that they can take care of everything and we can continue to have the freedom that we are grateful for. Like, that's why I go, like, that's why I get up every day. And I personally can't just say, oh, well, not my problem. I can't let it go. If I know that, it, uh, and, and, um, Guts has said this a few times before, but that, that concept of if you can, then you should. And if you should, then you shall. And I can bring issues to light. I should be advocating for sailors and I shall do everything in my power to make sure that they are taken care of so that they can then take care of and execute the mission. And I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to accept no for an answer, especially from someone who doesn't have the power to say yes, you're definitely not saying no. So I'm going to keep pushing, but I, it just, it boggles my mind that we are, we are putting people into positions that are setting them up to fail. We're not giving them the resources that they need. And then we're blaming them in what universe? I mean, in our universe, it makes sense, sadly. Um, but I just like, how is no one else just beating their head against the wall and, and like going to whoever is in charge of these things and saying like, just shaking them, like, what are you doing? And why are we not doing X, Y, Z, right? Like why? Cause I don't, I don't know. I would like to know what is going on and why and how so that I can understand how to insert something to adjust, something to change. And I, I know like, oh, I'm just a lowly first class, right? I don't give a shit. I, I give too many shits to not care. So if, if I get in trouble, if it looks bad, if someone's going to get mad about me, like, uh, not using the chain of command or whatever. Okay, cool. Try me. I don't care if it's the right thing to do. Whatever. I will, I will gladly take that when whatever, whatever trouble comes because of it, because I'm not letting this go. I refuse. 
and and I wish more people, particularly people in higher leadership positions. I mean, commanding officers should be out there just beating down the doors of of whoever else can have the power to help their sailors. Why isn't that happening? I don't know. But before I spiral too crazy, I'm going to go. I actually got to go pick up these kiddos from childcare that I pay out the wazoo for. Um, and as you know, as the name suggests, this rabid rant, it is it's I'm sure it's just I'm not even I'm not even going to listen to it back before I send it to D guts to post because I think like that's what this is for. It's just the ability to let it out and and have a, like a real open it's not a dialogue, it's a monologue, I guess, of, of like, what in the actual F moments, um, that there will probably be a lot more of, but yeah, if you, if you're having the same problems, like, let me know, um, and, and if there's any other problems that, that you need fixed and you don't know where to go, uh, reach out because I, I'll fight anybody, um, verbally um because i'm not i'm not super strong um and also we're not supposed to but i'll i'll do whatever i possibly can to engage to get sailors the help that they need regardless like i don't care who you are i don't care where you are i will do everything in my power because i can and i should and i shall have a good day um oh and in and in good fashion um Thank you so much for listening and putting up with my rabid rant. Don't give up the ship. Hey, big shout out to our level five patrons, William McIver and Victoria Livingood, to all the other patrons and everyone that supports us. We couldn't do it without you. You're allowing us to expand the platform, pay all these bills and continue to push out just awesome content for you as much as humanly possible. And we really, really appreciate you. Thank you so much.